the Radio Essentials podcast. A podcast about radio with your host, James Marriott. Hello and welcome to the Radio Essentials podcast. Easter eggs at the ready. It is the April 2022 episode. True story. Also, my birthday this month. Never thought that I would, never thought I'd make it to 21, but here we are. (laughs) Look at you. Are you sure you're 21? You don't look a day over 18. You can stay. You can stay. Uh, I'm James Marriott. Thank you for joining us. You've already heard her. Let's get today's guest on, shall we? BBC Radio Manchester breakfast show presenter Michelle Dignam. Hi. Are you okay? I'm I'm feeling strangely nervous about this. (laughs) Table's turned, isn't it? You're not used to being on that side of the, you know, virtual desk. It's a bit... the look of fear that I've managed to instill into several radio presenters during the the course of this podcast life is one of my main achievements in um, in in life. I'm very proud of it. I know. Well, I mean, I feel like I need a bag of mini eggs to like calm myself down or something. <laughs> I've I've made an error here. I should have brought some along. I am honestly really excited about um, this episode because I'm a Sheffield lad and anyone who grows up in Sheffield obviously is a Hallam FM listener and that means Big John at Breakfast and um, you know it's very much a staple of Sheffield life and you were a cornerstone of that show through such a kind of a glorious period of it. Do you know um, what? Sheffield is my second home. Like I love Sheffield, uh, well just South Yorkshire in general really but particularly Sheffield because that's where I lived obviously when I worked at Hallam and the people there like without sounding dead cheesy literally like took me in as one of their own it didn't matter that I was a Mancunian they literally put their arms around me and were just like we'll look after you you're one of us now and I kind of grew up there as well like I know it sounds a bit weird because I started there when I was 21 and spent five years there but my life and me as a person changed so much over the time I was there so honestly I think about Sheffield so fondly I, I really do love the place they're such important years, aren't they? Kind of twenty-one to mid-twenties. Like you are, you're kind of finding who you are in 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 life, as well yeah. as kind of from a, a work point of view and where you want to go. Um, obviously, I want to talk more about uh, about the Hallam days and more about um you and and your career and obviously what you're up to in in a bit. So lots of radio chat to come. Um, of course, we are going to test your general knowledge in Jock Against the Clock later on yes. as well. Yes. Uh, but first. I always feel like I should kind of sing this in a 90s radio jingle style. So first we've got... What do you mean 90s jingle style? I still have these jingles now. (laughs) (laughs) Celebrity birthday game. Something like that. I I, I don't make jingles. This is fairly obvious. Um, it was all right. It was rubbish. It was rubbish. You can say it. Um, (laughs) Four people who all have a birthday in April. All you need to do is work out, is their age higher or lower than the last one? Just for fun, can you get all four points? So, first of all, we're going to start with Brian McFadden, ex-Westlife singer, also the former Mr. Kerry Katona. His birthday is the 12th of April. How old do you reckon he might be? 12th I'm pretty of sure April. He lives in Rochdale now. I interviewed him a few weeks ago. Um, I reckon he is. So let me think. I'm going to go for 49. I, I, I hope you're not interviewing anytime soon because he is not going to thank you for this. He he will be 42 on the 12th <laughs> of April. <laughs> A couple, I'm sorry, a couple Brian. of years out. A couple of years out. Oof. 
I mean, I, he, what, he's had a tough time, hasn't he? You know, he had <laughs> Kerry Katona for a few years. I think she ran him round a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I, th- I think you covered. That. I think you got out of jail on that one. That's that's uh, that's that's, <laughs> that's the only thing I can say. Do you know in my crazy Key One Hundred and Three days, at, um, like back in the day, I was on a night out with Kerry Katona once because we'd just done a gig together at Brannigan's in Manchester when right. she was married to Brian McFadden. It was it was like a brilliant gig at Brannigan. She'd just won the I'm a Celebrity. She'd just won the Jungle. So I'd been hosting a gig at Brannigan. She was there. And then she insisted that we went out and that I showed around Manchester. And she was buying all these green drinks. And she was married to Brian at the time. And he was texting her quite a bit, I think, going, where on earth are you? And then... <laughs> <laughs> and she was just like, I'm just drinking green cocktails. And so, yeah, so, you know, maybe he does look... Uh, older than what he is just because you know he's lived a bit that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> i think i mean you know um no disrespect to kerry katona i think it would probably age anyone being married to uh to her for a few years i think he's, listen he's she's she, yeah whatever people say she she is she's lovely she's a very very nice person <laughs> just wild I, I, I think this is going to be a fun game so next of all so so we're on 42 right it gets easier yes. from this point onwards because okay, you okay, only need yes. to go higher or lower so next we've got he's a well tv presenter Stephen mulhern um he's oh, technically still a magician as well i think isn't he yes still do kind of his magic stuff that's how he started and now very much kind of on the on the presenting side of it his yeah. birthday is the 4th of april so we're at 42 Higher or lower than 42? This is you know hard, what? I'm, I'm going to go higher, I think. He, I mean, he was on heart for a bit, wasn't he? I'm going to go higher. Higher with Stephen Mulhern. Stephen Mulhern will be 45. So yes. you are correct to go higher. Well done. Very good. Right. Yes. Next, we have uh, Hollywood actor Seth Rogen. Oh, oh, higher or lower than 45? Um, oh, tough. I think slightly higher. You're going higher than 45 for Seth Rogen. Yeah. His birthday is the 15th of April, 40 years old. Oh, so he's no. quite a oh, fair few years me. younger. They, uh, these are so hard. To, I mean, I pick them because they're so hard to figure out, aren't they? I know, but, but you'd think if I was going to, I'd err on the side of caution and go younger, wouldn't you? And I'm just like aging all these celebrities that are going to hate me. I'm going to be honest with you, Michelle. I don't think Seth Rogen is a listener <laughs> to the Radio Central's. <laughs> podcast i have i've tweeted him a couple of times to ask if he enjoyed the last episode not replied not replied Next. in my head he's gonna hear this this will be the one time seth rogan in america <laughs> listens to this and it'll be us slagging him off saying that he's five years older than what he actually is <laughs> next we have uh, another non-podcast listener uh courtney kardashian i don't know which one she is i've described her here on my list as a socialite that's that's the only description that i can i mean tv a, a reality tv star i guess i don't know i can't believe you don't know who courtney is uh, she's like the kind of more sensible one um so well i say more sensible chloe's probably a bit more sensible but courtney's like the well i was gonna describe what she looks like but they're all kind of the same with like pretty eyes and dark hair aren't they but <laughs> she was help, um <laughs> So she is, so we're going older or younger than 40. I'm pretty sure I watched the Kardashians when they went away for her 40th birthday, so I'm definitely going to say older. Oh, okay. Uh, That's great logic. Um, So her birthday is the 18th of April, 43 for... um... Mm, Yeah. For Courtney, Courtney Kardashian. I, I was really tempted to be extremely cruel and rather than use Courtney Kardashian as the last one, use 
me, James Marriott, podcast gimp. Um, 16th of April is, uh, is, is, my, is my birthday. Would you have said higher or lower than 40? I'd have gone lower. You'd have been wrong. You'd have been wrong. 41. 41 this year. Oh, well, listen, happy 40th. What did you do last year for your 40th? Uh, well, I, we were just we were coming out of lockdown, weren't we? So it was a bit it was a bit strange. So I went on. Um, it was the time when you weren't allowed to go inside pubs, but you could sit outside of them. So uh, we went for a beer garden crawl with uh, with me and some me and some friends. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a big one, the four O. You did pretty well there. I think you got. I think there was only one. Uh, uh, yeah, there's only one that you got wrong. We'll gloss over Brian McFadden. Um, I can't. I thought, I'm like, oh dear, Brian McFadden. I mean, how old did I say he was? By nine years. Oh no, it was. Uh, so he's 42. You said 49. Only seven years. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Let's talk about you. What was that kind of light bulb moment when you knew? that radio was what you wanted to do, that, that that moment you fell in love with radio. Can you pinpoint that? Uh, yeah, and it's a bit weird, really, because, you know, lots of people have stories of them growing up and doing radio bedroom and all that kind of stuff. And I I knew I wanted to be in the media somehow. I didn't always know it was radio that I wanted to do. In a weird way, I wanted to be a vet as well, and I wanted to... Do you remember the show Vets in Practice? Um, which used to be on telly. So I was at school when that was on. So I wanted to be a vet on the telly. Um, and then the like the vet bit just kind of fell away in the end. And then I knew it was media somehow that I wanted to be in. So when I was at school at 16, I then basically just like wrote to all the companies um, in Manchester asking for work experience. And I mean, everything from like animation studios to small like independent production companies to ITV, to Corrie, to Granada Reports, to the BBC. To So I just literally wrote to everyone. And this was obviously back in the day when it wasn't emails. You know, this was 1998, 1999. So it was all done on letters that you'd send off. Um, and I just wrote, 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 and obviously got loads of replies saying, no, sorry, no, sorry. Well, even Key 103, actually, I've got like a, a Paul Lockett, who is my newsreader now on, on Radio Manchester. <laughs> I've even got a reply from him saying, no, sorry, like we only take um, students at university, which is quite funny that I now worked with him and did on, on Key 103's breakfast show as well, not too much longer later. Uh, and he said no, and then I just wrote to different people. I'd write like to the production person or... And or I'd ring up and go, you know, who's the um, head of production there? And I eventually got Mark Gabler's name, who was head of production at Key 103 at the time. So I wrote specifically to him and he replied and said, would you like to come in for a look around? So um, I went after school for a look around at Key 103. Absolutely loved it. So I think really that was the moment where radio became my aim because... It, I just couldn't believe the the studios and how it all worked and the production side of it even as well from making a trail to how that sounds on air. And I just remember looking at the sound waves of what Mark was doing and just thinking, this is amazing. So that really is the moment that I knew it was it was radio rather than just media. Um, and yeah, I sort of cheekily said to Mark at the end of this few hours where he'd show me how it all works, do you mind if I come back next week? And then uh, it went from like a weekly thing to literally every night after school. 
and he was teaching me Dalit at the time, yeah. um, how to make these promos and stuff. And so I just, I learned a lot from watching him. Simon Lowe was the other guy who taught me a lot, who was in S&P at the time. Uh, so I was helping him out. And then it was David Ditchfield, Ditchy, who was doing evenings at the time. He was then like, you know, why don't you sit in on, on my show and help me out? Because I could do with someone answering the phones and stuff. So I finished my GCSEs and then I start, stayed at school, started uh, sixth form. But I would literally go to Key 103 every day after school, after school, after sixth form. Um, and I would stay in and help Ditchy on his show and do any... So I was making trails like at 16, literally going out on Key 103. It was it was just so bizarre. So when it'd get to school holidays, there was like an hour show in the afternoon that was um, where automated. So it was like, you know, listeners calling in and they'd leave a message and play songs. It was their choice. And then I was literally putting that together on Dalla and that going out. So it... It was like mind-blowing for a 16-year-old at this radio station that I'd listened to with my mum all growing up. You know, so Steve Penk we'd listened to and then Mike Toulon. I was then like working at it, doing, you know, putting songs together for actual shows that was going out on the actual radio. And uh, yeah, so it was just that that is where I I learned sort of the craft from those three mainly. So from Mark Gabler for all the production, Simon Lowe, bit of both and then Ditchy was the one I would watch and see his style and see how natural he was and and see how to present a radio show and then how do you go from that to then suddenly being on air yourself well the program director at the time then said somebody's not feeling very well who's doing the overnight show do you want to do it and I'd not made a demo or anything. So honestly, it's just the weirdest thing. It makes me feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes because you've got these people that worked at hospital radio for years and years and suddenly my first show, literally my first show, is on Key 103, you know, which is mad, isn't it? It's just mad. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. He was then like, well, you need a bit of a practice, don't you? So I was like, oh, yeah, kind of. So um, I went into the studio, felt really weird because I'd just not done it myself and had a bit of a practice. And he was like, yeah, it's great. They're not well. You can do tonight. So um, that is literally how it happened. And then he was really happy with the overnight show. And the girl who was doing it decided to leave. So they then offered me producing James Stanage, who did the talk show at the time. So he was on from 10 o'clock, did a talk show. He's like a bit of a Manchester legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I produced his show and then presented overnight. So I was doing like this really long shift. So I left sixth form to then go and do that uh, full time. So I'd start at like nine o'clock at night and finish at six in the morning. <laughs> wow, God, that is a, that's a proper night shift, isn't it? That's, yeah. <laughs> At like 10 to 6, I don't think I really made much sense. But, you know, I was young then, so I was 16. So, you know, I could deal with it all. Adrenaline um, can get you through, can't you, yeah, at, at that yeah. age? I, I loved um, the description there that you talked about when you first walked into the studio at Key 103, like that, just that magical feeling that you get. I mean, you get it the first time you walk in a radio studio, but I, I mean, I still feel it now. Like, it, it's never really got away. Like, I, I do, um, obviously, you're at BBC Manchester. I do some freelance work at um, BBC Sheffield. And even every time I walk into the studio, there's still something inside me that's that's like, I'm actually in the studio of yeah. the, you know, the radio. This is one of the radio stations I grew up 
listening to they allow me to come in by myself into yes. the studio like I, think, I have a I, think it, I have a fob that I can scan and it works and it works and you can get in and, and press buttons and you know I think it makes it more special when it's the it's the radio station you've grown up listening to so to me to be stood there in the studio that Steve Penk had broadcast from and Mike Toulon was still broadcasting from you know it was it, it was all these people I'd listened to I was in their room and also really weird to you know, a bit starstruck to meet those people that I'd listened to all that time who were then treating me as a colleague. And I was just a bit yeah. like, this is weird. <laughs> you know, um, it was just amazing. And um, and I loved it. Yeah. And I eventually then moved on to evenings for a year. Uh, this is before, obviously, it was all networked. And then new bosses came in and they wanted to put me on breakfast. So JK and Joel then, who in the meantime had, had been on breakfast, um, I was 20 by this point, they left to go to Radio 1, so they decided to put Mike Toulon back onto breakfast and they wanted to put me with Mike on breakfast. So that's how, I, and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Um, and it was, you know, why, it why, wasn't... Why, why, why? I'm, I'm intrigued as to why you wouldn't want to... At, at 20 years old, what an amazing opportunity. You would think. So... There's probably a number of reasons. One of them is that I was having the best time of my life presenting the evening show. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 20 years old in Manchester, my home city, presenting on the station that I'd always listened to yep. on the evening show, going straight out afterwards. I literally would go to any bar opening, anything that was going on. I was living the life and and then talking about it on the show the next night. So, you know, I was really in touch with that young audience for, for that point. So... I think a lifestyle reason was was one. And I think the other was the fact that I felt like I'd been going from having my own show, personally felt like I was then being put to laugh at someone else's jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think that was a really tough thing to get my head around. So as much as I loved Mike and had listened to him for years growing up, I kind of thought, I feel like this is a weird step back that I've been doing my own show. Now I'm going to be put on someone else's. So I th- that was a, a strange thing. So yeah, so I just, I didn't want to do it. I think if Mike's really honest, I don't think he particularly wanted me either. So right. it was just a, basically a bit of a car crash. So <laughs> uh, we did that for uh, six months, uh, which wasn't great at all. And then they uh, they told me that they weren't renewing my contract but I had to work for the six months remaining of it. And they changed the producer and things changed on the show. And then me and Mike had a great time together for that last six months. And we did some brilliant stuff. You know, we went to the Maldives and broadcast from there. We broadcast Chinese New Year from Hong Kong. Like we did all these huge things that, you know, as a, as a 20 year old, it's just madness. I was flying first class to, you know, what I feel quite lucky about is that I also worked in radio at a time when radio had loads of money. Yeah. And, you know, they, they would spend money on stuff and, and people would... You know, I remember there being um, a record company, like, paying for me to go to Dublin to watch Dido, who was, like, obviously an up-and-coming artist. Then there was all this hoo-ha over it because I was only 17 and it was going to be in a bar. And they were like, oh, she's only 17. (laughs) Like, people were dead shot. You know, I was doing all these things that... I Like, I would go into... Well, when I was still at school, I'd go into school the next day. And some of this... Like, nobody believed the things that I'd... I'd just interview Robbie Williams. They'd be like, what? (laughs) Like... (laughs) Just, <laughs> it, and I'm like, yeah, Rob, Robbie Williams. Um, <laughs> such a good playground. What did you do last night? Oh, I, I bought a 10 pence mixer. What did you do? I interviewed Robbie Williams. Wow. That's Just, mind-blowing. I know, I know. In fact, when I was on Overnights, they then took us all 
over to Ibiza. So I had my 18th birthday broadcasting live from Ibiza. I mean, even when I think about it now, it's just crazy, isn't it? And the, you know, we took a whole plane of listeners. And then, you know, at the Manchester Evening News on page three, there's me in a bikini being held up by <laughs> blokes, like, on my 18th birthday. It's just bizarre. So, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. It's just the weirdest thing. But it then, you know, I'd lived a bit of a crazy life there. Uh, and then... It all seemed to get very sensible a bit on, on breakfast, as it has to. And it just, it, like I say, it was a bit of a car crash and, until we were guided through by a new producer. And then, you know, it all worked really well. But yep. So when they said, we're not re- renewing your contract, well, my dream was to work at Key 103. And then suddenly, I'm not working at Key 103 anymore. Where do you go from there? Mm. Like, what what do you do? You've You've done the station that you grew up listening to. What, what? Where do you go then? So um, I basically, with my last pay, booked a round-the-world ticket, a plane. So um jumped on a plane and went backpacking for a bit. And I had enough money to get me down New Zealand and then knew that I flew over to Sydney in Australia. As I flew to Sydney, I literally had enough money for the youth hostel for that night. And I thought, right, I need to get a job. So worked in a bar over there and a cafe. And honestly, by 21, like the stuff that I'd sort of been through work like I had a really bad stalker as well when I was at Key um when I was on overnights which still now you know <clears throat> isn't isn't great it's you know mm. and so there was a I ca- in that time so from being 16 to 21 in those five years I kind of went through this whirlwind there it sounds like know, there's a lot a lot in there and um I, I, you know the stalker thing is worryingly common isn't it for uh mm. Particularly yeah. young females working at um, anywhere in the media, it does seem to be like worryingly commonplace. That yeah, and I think you know, I think the world certainly isn't where it should be, but is maybe a bit more aware and equipped to deal with it now. You know, because of social media. Well, having said that, you know, I'm really glad at that time social media wasn't around for many many different reasons. <laughs> but you know, this was just a guy who would phone and send letters. Um, uh, and in the end, they found him because they got his DNA off. Um, where he, so he hadn't left any fingerprints. He was very careful about that. But he he licked the envelope, so they got his DNA off of that. But anyway, that is a whole other. Like it's something I don't really talk about anyway. But it yeah. was, you know, we ended up in court, and it was it just wasn't a great time. So <laughs> how on earth did I even get onto this now? And was I in Australia a minute ago? Yeah, you sometimes wonder. Um... How do I present a radio show when I just bounce around different things all the time? I've got no idea. You can imagine I'm a producer's nightmare, can't you? Just like, what is she doing? It's, it's um, brilliant. Um, I think you were um, you were working uh, in a in a bar and a bit in a cafe in Sydney. Uh, yes. And you. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And then got, I got, got an email got from an email. Uh, from Gary Steen, who was then the the manager of Hallam at the time, uh, and he basically said, "You've disappeared off Key One Hundred Three. Like, where have you gone? I used to listen to you on evenings. I heard you've moved to breakfast. Now you've gone. What's happened?" Uh, so I explained, and then he said, "Right, well, you need to come and work for me at Hallam." when you're back and I was like well I can come back whenever you want so, uh, so yeah I just made my made my way up Australia then quite quickly uh, left Cairns and um, flew back and moved to Sheffield then sort of fairly quickly started working then on breakfast with John which you know like I say I've, I, I think of my time in Sheffield really fondly um, I loved it it was really strange though to go from like Manchester I'd had this crazy crazy life you know out with 
you know, all the curry lot and all that. And then Sheffield's a bit of a quieter city, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so is. I, I sort of felt like I had to adjust a, a, a little bit. Yep. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Loved it. It's it's also it's weird, isn't it, when you're working effectively in you know your hometown, your home city. You know it. You know you know it like the back of your hand. The the first time you go and work somewhere where you don't really know the the patch, I think always feels a little bit intimidating and a little yeah. bit difficult. But there's always that fear of well, it's spelt like that. It surely it should be pronounced like that. And the first time you get one of those wrong, and then you know that's when everyone does jump on the bandwagon, doesn't it, and give you a hard time about um, stuff like that. So I always think that's yeah. that's difficult. But yeah, I moved city moving to a flat and John had already been on seven years at that point so he knew what he was doing he's always known what he's 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 doing he's you know he's got the craft down to a T so and yeah and and they were you know really generous with the show like I was a massive part of that show he, you know he, he was never very um you know this is about me and not about anyone else if anything he was very welcoming for other people to be a part of the show so I think he was just encouraged all my ridiculous stories and yeah it was it was it was a really nice time I didn't realize it would have been on seven years um when when you joined because I mean obviously that show is such an institution in in Sheffield I said that that earlier on um you know still still on air now but but you were there during I guess the relative early days but also kind of like the the glory days because as you touched on earlier there was money around you were able to do things and you, just just a really quite a remarkable breakfast show really that was so in touch with its area yeah and and i think maybe that's part of the reason why you know the people of sheffield did welcome me you know so because because john obviously knew the area so well so did james the producer and and i think because they sort of went you know here's this girl can you all look after her and then everybody did and it was it was just lovely and you know i lived in hillsborough and walkley and uh, Broom Hill and you know I sort of moved around different flats I met friends for life there you know the people that I, I lived with again that was really funny as I was looking for a house share because obviously I didn't know anyone so I went and met this girl that I'd never met before to go move into a house and she was like so what do you do I was like I'm at work on Hallam FM she's like get off I was like no honestly I'm a breakfast show at Hallam FM she's like what what are you yeah. like it's just it was really funny but that's my friend Helen now who um who I love and yeah we've you know had our babies together and it's just so yeah it's just a, a really fond time and like we were saying earlier because you change so much as a person from age like 21 22 to 25 26 or whatever it was that I left there I do feel like I grew up there you know, and the people of Sheffield, like, heard that as well. You know, I turned up as this, like, crazy going out all night and person and then left there a lot more mature and, you know, knowing what I wanted. And, and yeah, like I say, I, I can't give enough, enough love to the people of Sheffield. I just think they're great. Talk us through what happens then from um, from from Hallam. Onwards. So from from Hallam, sort of five years in, then I then started to think a bit like so career wise, where do I go from here? I was ambitious and wanted to do more, and and that show like you've touched on was going really well, so there was nothing wrong with it. I'd done some brilliant things as well with Ice Sheffield. They'd done like a local Dancing on Ice, and I'd always wanted to learn to ice skate, and so we did that with listeners and put on a big show, and I got to be Baby from Dirty Dancing and do the lift on ice, and you know, so we got I got to do some amazing stuff there, and um, and yeah, I just got to the point where I just thought you know but where is all this going I think it was it was going so well that I think 
we even thought, you know, yeah, we could still be here in, in years doing this. But then I had to think to myself, do I want to still be here in years doing this? And so I just thought, right, I need to do something, you know, if yeah. I, and now's the time. So, yeah, so I decided to leave Hallam and I moved back to Manchester. I then sort of fairly quickly got off of the job on Rock FM Breakfast with Adam Cattrall. And so I did that for a bit and I just thought, well, I know I'm sort of moving from one breakfast show to another, but I just thought I can now live at home in Manchester, assess myself a bit. Um, Rock's a lovely station. You know, it really is like one of the friendliest stations I've ever ever worked at. Um, So I loved my time on um, Rock Breakfast. And then Adam decided to leave and it got to sort of like a crossroads where they offered for me to stay with somebody else. And I just thought, right, maybe I'm just like deja vu again, where I'm just going to do, you know, the same thing. If I want something different, I'd done at that point then, you know, which is nothing compared to some people, but I'd done quite a few years of breakfast shows. And I just thought I need a bit of a break to sort of fall in love with breakfast shows again. Yeah, I then decided to leave Rock and I moved down south because I had a boyfriend at the time who lived down south. So I moved down there uh, and then concentrated more on voiceover work that I'd been doing already anyway alongside other stuff. I got a gig at ITV2, which really helped because I was in there most days Mm -hmm. um, uh, in London doing that. And then Gary Steen then uh, called me again and said, do you want to come and do um, the network early show at the weekend here uh, from Manchester? And... So I agreed to do that. So then I was sort of living down south, but travelling up and doing doing that up in Manchester at the weekends. And yeah, just think it's sort of planning my next move and thinking like, what what do I do next? And then I saw uh, just online uh, an advert for the uh, travel reporter role at Five Live. And it said it was like freelance. So I thought, well, I might as well add that on to what I'm doing. I was, you know, because I was doing some entertainment reporting. I was just doing just loads of different things. And so I went for that and then they offered me to work on the breakfast show at Five Live with them when they moved up to Salford. So I had a big move then back to uh, back to Manchester, which is kind of really where I wanted to be anyway. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I moved back to Manchester and started on Five Live Breakfast on the first day that that breakfast show came from Media City at Salford, which again was amazing. Like Media City has been amazing for me as well because... Yeah. You know, to get your voice on a national radio station and not come from London, but just mm-hmm. down the road from where I grew up is brilliant. And so I, I think uh, all the development there with the different production companies and, you know, with BBC bringing more up has been really good for me personally, you know, and I think it's opened up opportunities, hopefully for other people as well, who've always thought, mm, I don't want to live down south, but, you know, maybe that writes it off or maybe it doesn't, you know, now. So... Yeah, so then I I started there and then basically spent 10 years there and sort of, you know, met my now husband, had my babies. It's cutting a very long story short. (laughs) I then saw the advert for Radio Manchester Breakfast presenter and I thought, that's a bit weird. I don't normally advertise jobs like that. You know, how can you not go for it (laughs) when, you know, when a job like that comes up? So I went for it, not expecting to get it and got it. So here I am today. Breakfast on on Radio Manchester. Obviously, it's it's a huge patch, and it is one of the busiest patches in the in the country, isn't it? I think it's fair to yeah. say. Like, the, I mean, I don't think you know, possibly other than London, I'm not sure there are many like busier or kind of newsier patches than Manchester. And it, it's a heck of a gig. How have you been finding it? Do you know? It, I, I mean, it really is like your dream gig, isn't it? Really, you know, you. I'm working in in my city again, my home city. 
on a breakfast show and on a show as well doing a mixture of fun and having a laugh that I used to do on the commercial breakfast shows but also then thrown in with like you know really important stuff that that people are talking about and care about and as to how I'm finding it like I'm loving it I must admit you know hands up I do struggle a bit like just to switch off sometimes from it like I don't know whether because I've had no formal journalism training mm-hmm. um you know there are certain there's certain positives to that but there's certain downsides as well like sometimes because you're so absorbed and involved in stories as I leave work I sometimes like I can't you know switch off from it and um you know we all we all know particularly with you know the the Ukraine situation at the moment some of the stories coming out of that are absolutely horrendous and and you really do have to know every detail about a story to be able to uh, I think do interviews properly Uh, but even you know before things like that there was um, we did a special on knife crime you know I interviewed Youssef Mackey's sister and he was someone who was killed Um, he was stabbed and you know, his sister was so upset and that the whole weekend, like, I, you know, I struggle then to kind of switch off from it. Whereas, you know, previous jobs I'd done before. I mean, we all know when you work on the radio, you never switch off because you're always thinking, how do I change this into a link? Whatever happens in your life, you're like, how can I change this into a link? And I sort of, sort of have that now, not so much, but it's the thinking about all the you know, the stories. And because the news is particularly uh, doom and gloom, you know, that's one bit I think I need to get better at is sort of being able to step away from from the stories a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm loving getting my teeth into it. You know, it's 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 a massive opportunity. And, you know, I do realise what a huge opportunity it is. And also, weirdly, to be back on a proper breakfast show, though, with my life is different now. You know, I've got two young kids and, you know, some nights they just don't sleep. So I just don't sleep. And then, you know, I've got to go to work and, and do a whole show. And the nonstop speech, you know, again, is brilliant. But, you know, it, it, it's like, well, you'll know from doing, you know, your your freelance stuff. It's just, you've got to be on it, haven't you? And, and you know, when a guest isn't there or a story changes, you haven't yeah. got a song to be able to go, okay, I'll just gather myself for a couple of minutes. You've literally got to, you know, just talk about something until it gets sorted out. So It's it's, it's a totally different skill, I think, to anything else in radio. It doesn't mm. matter how long you've you've kind of been doing radio, how how much experience you've got. It's still a different, a, diff, a totally different ballgame. As, as we record this now, it's International Women's Day. Yes. Um, now, hosting a, like a solo breakfast show as a female presenter still relatively rare in fact we've kind of touched on this thing that often when you think about female presenters involved with breakfast shows it is kind of playing second fiddle to the to the male presenter for, for such is. a long time that's kind of been the the case but it's getting better I, and, and i think well i was, was going to ask you about this because uh, i mean there's definitely i i think there's definitely still fewer female radio presenters than there is male presenters but it does feel like things have changed a bit over the last you know couple of decades or so what, what how do you feel the the industry's doing in in that sense yeah i do i do feel like it's got a, a lot better you know i think it's kind of got a bit harder to judge you know because of all the networking that's go on that's gone on but you know if we look at the the big networks i mean you've got amanda holden who you know, most people would argue is a bigger name than Jamie Theakston, um on that dynamic of that show, you yeah. know. And I do think that, you know, radio 
bosses thinking about what people want are also more aware now you know because it used to be the reason why they'd have the blokes as the lead is because they'd say things like well it's women who control the radio in the car and they prefer to hear a man and I think as time's gone on you know maybe more people have realized that that's not the case and actually you know a good strong female that you can relate to is great you know so so I think that 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 was the theory back in the day is that women preferred to hear men on the radio and it was always the women tuning the the radios in the car or at home and they were in charge of it but I'm I'm not sure if that really ever was the case. No, I don't no, know. No, uh, I I, you... I remember that theory being around, and mm. it was. It, I think it was a little bit chicken and egg. I think the thing is, people just like listening to good presenters, and there was a period where there was a real lack of good female presenters. But that's because it was such a male-dominated industry to start with, and yeah. it wasn't really set up for female presenters to really get much of an opportunity. It was just such a blokey sort of industry because there were people walking around saying, "Well, you know, women don't want to listen to uh, other." other women on on the radio and it's good that things have moved since and and changed since then yeah and I I do think it has I mean I think there's always room to grow but I I do think it's a million times better than what it was when I started out in 99 like I'm not I'm not sure Bauer now would ever have you know when they moved me off evenings on to breakfast with Mike I don't think they really would have ever put me on Toolin in the morning I think I think they would have always found a strong presenter to make it a double header I think they're very conscious now of making sure that the female voice is heard yeah um you know and not just to tick boxes or whatever because like we've just said it's because you know people want to hear the female voice so I do think that they um they're a lot more aware of it now and strive to look at Fleur East for example yeah yeah you know she's a a, a huge character a massive name on on hits radio breakfast isn't she so um yeah i think that they look for strong females yeah okay what does um what does the future hold then i don't know (laughs) (laughs) you know this business you don't decide your own future do you (laughs) someone else i i'm loving doing what i'm doing at the moment you know really enjoying it and it's again like as, as far as being in manchester goes it's a bit weird, isn't it? Because what I'm loving the BBC compared to commercial as well, just because of how diverse the show is. So even though I've just said about how you have to call on certain skills because you can do something really serious one minute and the next minute flit to something really lighthearted. But actually, that to me makes a very interesting show to make. Um, so I think, you know, I'm really enjoying the BBC's format with that uh, on local radio right now. I would love to work at Radio 2. <laughs> You know, that's what I would really love to do. OJ Budge does his Midnight's All Three in the Morning show from Salford. Uh, so, again, I know that things are changing with that now. It used to be, you know, when I was younger and wanted to be on Radio 1 or whatever, it always had to be you'd have to go down to London to do it. I know they now do stuff for Radio 1 as well from Salford. So, yeah. um, you know, I do think where in the country they do it changes that. I probably am chasing after something that's not going to happen with Radio 2, considering that, you know, they they do tend to favour, obviously, people with profile now. And, you know, and I'm I'm not against that at all. Look at someone like Rylan. I mean, he's amazing. You know, he's a great listener on Saturday. He's one of my favourite shows to listen to. And, you Mm. know, without 
what was he on X Factor, wasn't it? You know, without something like that and him being a personality, he would never have got that show. So it's that's not something that I'm one of these people that's, you know, dead against going, why are they not giving radio people radio jobs? I totally get it. So yeah, I know it then makes it harder to be able to get yourself on a on a national level like that. But yeah, that's my that's my kind of aim. And then there's other things as well, like there's you know, just at Media City, I started a podcast with um, Audio Always uh, mm-hmm. with one of my mates, which is like a podcast about saving money and called Coupod. And so there's all little like, you know, side things you can do as as well, I think. And I still work on co-op radio. That's um, another thing I do with a production company. Yeah. like, And I love that because... I sort of was working with um, this production company and then I pitched like a health and well-being show to them and then the co-op loved it. And I feel like this is now like my baby that I do every week for them. Um, you know, there's certain things the BBC have made me stop with editorial policy and all that palaver, but there's certain things that I'm still managing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's all good. So I don't know what the future holds. Who knows? It's a it's a fair answer, and um, I you know ambition ambitions to be on radio two is not it's not a bad goal, is it? It's not a bad goal to be. Well, if to you be, don't have a goal that's have, further have than it what a go up. Yeah, if you don't have a goal that's further than what you're doing now, you know you've always got to be working towards something. I yeah. think, and I think that's why I ended up so lost. You know, when I lost my job at Key One Hundred Three all those years ago. Because I didn't really know what my next step was. Because yeah, yeah. I kind of thought, I'm living the life, I'm doing it. And I think if you don't have a next one in, in line, you can get a bit lost. This this is an interesting question to ask someone who had never even done a demo before they did their first show on Key 103. But if you <laughs> if you had one piece of advice that you could give to someone that you know ultimately would one day like to have their own breakfast show, what what would it be? I mean, I've just laughed at what you've said there, the fact that, my first show was on Key 103, which I know is ridiculous. But, you know, I think one of the reasons how I ended up covering that show is because of they could see how enthusiastic I was and my passion for actually being in the building, I think, maybe got me that in the end, even if a demo on his desk hadn't. And And that's kind of my advice, I think, really, for anyone starting out is that in some ways, you know, you would think it's got harder, a lot of networking about, particularly in commercial. Uh, but in other ways, it's got easier because, you know, there's there's podcasts and there's ways that you can put yourself out there that weren't around, you know, 20 years ago. And so my advice would be, though, still, still contact those places. Also, you know, don't think, oh, that'll never be me. I'll never be able to do that. Because actually, you know, one day that reply might come back where they just invite you in for a look around which you never know what it's going to lead to and I think once you can can get yourself into a place if you can just show all the enthusiasm in the world and all the enthusiasm whether that be that they're making letting you do something really important or whether they've asked you to make a brew if you can just be that happy infectious person that they want around a little bit more you probably will get more opportunities thrown your way so I would just say be passionate um, be persistent uh, and good luck. <laughs> Fair, good, good, good advice. Good advice. That's that's pretty much the radio nonsense out of the way, which means we can move on to the really important bit, which is: Are, are you ready now to put your general knowledge to the test? I think so. Come on, let's do it. Jock against the clock. So, jock against the clock. This is how it works. Of course, you are the jock derived from DJ, disc jockey, jock, uh, and you're against the clock because uh, we're going to ask you five questions. You've got to answer them as quickly as you can. 
Uh, there is a 10 second penalty for any that you get wrong. And if you get them all wrong, then you are out. Okay. It's okay. not happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, obviously, this is the April podcast, so they are all in some way or other questions that are connected to the glorious month of April. Um, Angie Greaves, Smooth oh, Radio, yes. top of our leaderboard at the moment on 55 seconds. Dave okay. Cooper, Gadio, rock bottom, unfortunately, 98 <laughs> seconds. Which end of that scale are you aspiring towards? You know I want the top, but I think we all know what's probably going to happen. There's only one way for us to find out. <laughs> are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. Start the clock. The BBC's teletext service was switched off in April 2012. What was it called? CFAX. Which singer recorded his debut single called That's All Right in April 1954? Oh, that, 54? Um, Cliff Richard? The Conservatives won a fourth successive term in April 1992's general election, but who was the Prime Minister? John Major! The first televised game of baseball took place in April 1940 in which country? Baseball! America! Kurt Cobain took his own life in April 1994. What was the name of the band that he fronted? Nirvana. Stop the clock. Jock against the clock. Oh, no, go on. Ooh, so how yes. do you think you did? I, I actually really don't know. Because okay. uh, I'm hoping I didn't just say some stupid answers that came straight into my head. But that's what uh, you do in these things, isn't it? Because it's uh, <laughs> like they're, they're all, I think most of these questions, they're relatively easy. But when you're put under that pressure, suddenly your brain just thinks like cornflakes, chicken, like it just words that don't make any sense. Let's go. You're right. You're right. That's what happens. Like I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I'm it's on the chase really, or something. And really like, yeah. Let's go through your answers. Uh, BBC Teletext switched off in 2012. CFAX, correct answer. You got that right. Yes. Which singer recorded his debut single, That's All Right, in April 54? This is quite hard because I've never heard the song. Wouldn't have a clue. You said Cliff Richard. Um, I mean, there are only limited number of people you can go for. It was Elvis Presley. Oh, okay, okay. So, I should have gone Elvis rather than Cliff, shouldn't I? I bet Cliff wasn't even singing then. Well, oh, I don't know. Um, April 92, uh, Prime Minister, you said John Major. The correct answer is John Major. Well done. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> First... Can you imagine how slaughtered I'd get for not knowing my <laughs> 90s politics? <laughs> um, first televised game of baseball, 1940. I mean, this is guesswork, isn't it? You said yeah. America. America is correct. Yes. And finally, Kurt Cobain. Uh, what was his band? You said Nirvana. Nirvana is correct. So you yes. got four out of five there. Yes. So how quickly did you do, do it? That's the big question. And you did it in. You did it in the second quickest time that anyone's actually done it before we've added penalties on. So you did it I, in I, forty-three seconds. Whoa! So there this is, is good. Yes. There is only Angie Greaves who did it faster than that. She did it in thirty-five seconds. Don't know how she did Whoa, it in thirty-five no. seconds. You did it in forty-three seconds. We've got a ten-second penalty to add on. That takes Wait, what you. Was my that's forgetting the Elvis Presley one wrong. Oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. So that takes you to 53 seconds. Now, you probably yes. won't remember what I said earlier on. Angie no. Greaves, top of the leaderboard 
on 55 seconds. No! Michelle Dignam, you are no! top. You are top of the leaderboard. As if I've just smashed it and got to the top. These things never happen to me. I'm top of the leaderboard. And this is, I mean, we're at like, you know, we're mid-afternoon now. You've been up since silly o'clock in the morning as well. I mean, total, total respect. Yes, this is this is why sometimes a 10 to 4 alarm for your brain can be quite good. Let's not talk about the 15 coffees I've had since then, which maybe that's half the reason too. Oh, listen, I'm genuinely so chuffed because those things you're so worried about because you're just a bit like, I'm going to sound like a right idiot in a minute when i get all these wrong <laughs> no, you so did, i'm so chuffed you did really well top of the leaderboard so you know taking a plane of listeners to ibiza uh covering the chinese new year from hong kong all that stuff pales into insignificance now you've just got top of the radio essentials jock against the clock leaderboard well done well done yes <laughs> listen thank you i've absolutely loved it i've really had a lovely time so thank you it's been brilliant and um i think i i mean i, I always think it's so inspiring to hear people's journeys into radio but particularly one because you know you 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 weren't you know, glued to your bedroom at, at five years old and you know kind of being able to do your first radio show without really kind of doing a demo you know stuff like that we kind of joked about it earlier on but that's so inspiring for people isn't it to kind of see that actually do you know what it isn't this kind of thing whereby you must be doing hospital radio by the age of eight or you weren't going to be not going to be able to get into um into radio absolutely so. not it's you know and i and i hope people take that from it and that you know it doesn't just annoy people to go god she didn't graft when she was younger at hospital radio to get into this i hope that people you know take that side from it because that's what i really would hope they take from it and also just to uh, you know see that those people you listen to that you really look up to you know you can be them you know like steve penk i loved growing up listening to him and then you know i actually co-presented with him then on key 103 in the end and you know same with Tulin and to you know sarah cox i absolutely love so i kind of fell in love with radio you're right i fell in love with it as i started um in it and uh and yeah so i hope people take that from it because um yeah it, that that's what i would like rather than people just like oh god she didn't you know go the right path <laughs> no it's been brilliant thank you so much for your time thank you michelle Radio Essentials is all about providing content and services for radio people. Please check out radioessentials.com where you can also have a look at our new uh, membership levels as well. And make sure you're following us on the socials at Radio Essentials. Lots more giveaways and exciting things to, uh, to come. We'll be back next month where we'll have another guest from the big wide world of the wireless. See you then. The Radio Essentials Podcast. Visit Radio Essentials online, radioessentials.com.